All right, just, uh, just before Gala shares with us, um, for the, the guys here for the first time, we like to get together before the, the uh, meeting and just have a prayer meeting and just hear what God's saying to us. And it felt like God gave Dana just a, a real, a really powerful word of what he wanted to do this morning. So Dana, why don't you come and share that with us? Hi, fam. Um, I, as soon as we started praying, I saw a Nachi, which was an interesting start. Um, and, but what I saw was it started as, as I saw it, it was peeling open and I was like, okay, Lord, what does that mean? What does that signify? And what I, what I sense the Lord speaking is that an Archie is something that everyone knows what it is. Everyone knows what it tastes like, but there's a sense of, there can be a sense of familiarity that may not make you engage with it because in your head, you know what it's called, you know what it tastes like, you know what it looks like, right? And I, um, sense Jesus saying that we can fall into the trap of treating him like that, where there's a familiarity that grows in us that Jesus is this, Jesus is that, church is this, church is that, Christianity is this, it's that. So cool, I'm comfortable with that, and I don't, I get it, you know. And then when it was opening, God was just reminding me of how much is in that skin that you would never know is there unless you opened it. And Jesus just saying like, open me, eat of me, I am abundant, there's so much in me that you're missing because you think you know what I am or who I am, and I felt so convicted in that, and my encouragement to us is to really check like what's familiar, what is familiar in our hearts, but to be soft to what, I don't actually know what I was talking about, but back you, um, but just everything that's been coming through is that God has given Gala something to say that is rich and full and deep, and we need to eat of it, not just look at it and be like, cool, I know what that is, and I'm going to put it back in the Nachi box. Then. Yeah. All right, can I pray for you? Yeah, Lord, so we do pray that we would come and eat of you this morning. You've given Gala this word to just share, and we pray for such anointing and such vision and just such refreshing that comes, and a deeper knowing and understanding of you, God. Um, in your name, Jesus, amen. Awesome. So Dan's pretty much did the preach. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually what I want to talk about today is familiarity with the presence of God and the temple of God. Um, so this word, uh, wait, maybe quickly for those that don't know me, people call me Gala. My real name's Gareth. Um, married to Jean. Even my parents are here today. Um, and she's not going to like this, but today is a special day for Jean. It's the day the anniversary of when her father went to heaven. So if anyone wants to give her a hug, give her a hug after the service. Um, but it's a special day for us. Now. Cool. So this message came out of a few of us uh, young bachelors. Not, no, I'm not a bachelor, but <laughs> young men <laughs> meet on Wednesday mornings. Um, but we feel like bachelors when we meet, you know. It's like super awesome. And um, we've been just going through scriptures and a bunch of things, and uh, one of the things we've been doing in the last few weeks is Luke said, okay, uh, prepare a five-minute word on something that the Lord's been putting on your heart. Um, And so we've all had a turn to go through this, spend five minutes, um, get feedback from the guys, and Luke's like helped us how to structure preachers and everything. So I think there's going to be a lot of feedback after this, (laughs) lots of pressure on this. Thanks. Good start. Yeah, cool. Um, but that's how the word originated, and it's actually very specific to me, and I think the heart is just that I'm going to share it in terms of what God has shown me, and I pray and hope that it's applicable to everyone else today. Yeah. Um, so, 
the topic of familiarity, I think the Lord was really working on it in my heart, like end of last year, beginning of this year, but I didn't have words for it until Jean and I were able to go and support hunts in Sweden and the Netherlands about two months ago. Um, and when the Lord started opening my eyes with like a revelation of what was happening in my heart. And I think that's what happens. It says faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. And as you like experience the word of God lived out, he like hits you with like his revelations. And it's the revelation that kickstarts something. And that happened to me when I was actually like spending time in this Dutch church and in, these, in the Swedish church, completely removed from my current environment. Um, so, yeah, I think let's get excited and, and ask the Lord for a revelation today that's specific to you. And that's the only way you can kickstart life in, in your heart. Um, and so how he did it with me was uh, we have a couple, a, a couple that are really close friends of ours. Their names are Keaton and Bernadette. Um, uh, they, yeah, they pretty much are a large reason why we're still in church today. And uh, they went over to the Netherlands to help serve there. And we went and we got to stay about a week and a half at the end with them. And in the Netherlands, you don't do coffees, you do walks. Because coffee's one, not great, and Hans can attest to that. Um, and two, uh, it's very expensive to go for a coffee. So people do walks, and it's safe at night, so you can walk at like 11 o'clock at night. So Keaton says to me, Gala, let's go for a walk. You know, and this is how they do discipleship. So we walk in the streets of Odovata, and um, we are really close friends. And one thing we've always done, which is always the daunting question, is to say, hey, bro, would you speak into my life? And it's quite a tough question to ask, especially because your pride starts coming up. But he did that with me, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll give it my best shot, try to speak something in. I don't know if anything landed. Um, but then he spoke into my life, and he just said, Gala, it looks like you've been doing all the things of God. You've been running after him. You've been growing in him. You've got like, incredible testimonies even about what God's been doing. But it feels like your flame is just dimming a little bit. And it's not out. It just feels like it's dimming. And I hadn't been able to put words to it until that moment. And I was like, yeah. And my spirit resonated with that. My spirit was like, yeah, you, you're right. You know, like, um, yes, I feel like I'm a part of something. I feel like things are happening in my life. But there's something with my flame, and I'm, I'm a bit worried about it. Um, and so I just went on a bit of a journey through Scripture. We're going to dig into them today. Um, they're, they're meaty, but they're exciting, and they're, they bring us freedom, and they've brought me freedom. So, Cool. Um, could you put up the first scripture, which is uh, 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 7. Oh, there. It's up. Cool. So this is, um, the context is that David, king of Israel, wants to go and get the ark, which I think for plus or minus 20 years has been um, in the house of Abinadab. Um, been sitting there for about 20 years. The presence of the, of the Lord rested in an ark. Luke's done a great preach on all of this stuff before, so you can go to him afterwards. But um, let's let's dive in. David is basically just going to go and fetch the ark. Cool. So David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all of the people who were with him from Baalat Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart. Next. With the ark of God, and Ahio went, oh, with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark, 
And David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hands to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And I read this, and I was just quite struck, as I'm sure we all are right now, um, and just asked the simple question, like, why did this happen? And there's a lot to this. You can do a full study, but the things that struck out to me were, first of all, one of the rules um, in terms of transporting the presence of God was that a Levite, someone of the Levite tribe, had to do that. And what David did here is, in his excitement, he said, let's go get all the mighty men of Israel, and we're going to go and get the ark. That was the first mistake, um, and we know that because Abinadab was from the tribe of Judah, um, and his sons were Uzzah and Ahio, so they're also from the tribe of Judah. Um, the other thing was that the ark had to be carried on poles. The ark had little rings on all the corners, and it was actually required that a human, someone in the Levite tribe, would carry the ark on poles, um, and here you see they put it on a new cart. And the last one is, Quite simply, if you touch the presence of God, you will die. So that is why Uzzah died, but I think that it started a lot earlier than that moment. And um, as I said earlier, Uzzah was the son of Abinadab, and the ark had been sitting in their house for over 20 years. The presence of God had been there for over 20 years. And I could understand how, and especially because the ark of God, when, it's, when it was with Israel, would bring blessing. So everything, you're just seeing blessing, you're seeing favor, and I could understand how uh, Uzzah um, and maybe even Ahio became a bit um, familiar with the fact that the presence of God was um, in their house, and now they're transporting it. And what I felt the Lord say to me was that good, atten- good intentions weren't going to save Uzzah. <clears throat> And if that was the Old Testament where Uzzah understood the wrath of God much more clearly because daily they had to take sacrifices to the temple courts, they had to make these sacrifices, and that was to atone for their sins, very real understanding of the wrath of God and the consequence of sin, how much more us who are in Christ can we become familiar with what happened on the cross for us as people? And um, Romans 5, 8-9 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. How cool is that? And that, that really just encouraged me. I was like, wow, we're in Christ, but Lord, let me, not ever, let me not ever take this for granted. And I'd started doing that. Um, the second scripture that came to that I came to was Jesus turning the tables. I'm sure many of us have heard of it. So if you can go to Mark 11, 15 to 17. Uh, yes, we're on it, eh? Cool. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And, the, <clears throat> and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? And while we can have familiarity with the presence of God, we can also have the 
familiarity with the sacredness of the temple of God. And we are now the temple of God. And I don't think the intentions have changed from the Lord of what's still important to him about the temple of God. And that's specific to me as an individual, what's important to me and my purpose and how I'm living my life out as the temple of God. What am I, how am I hosting the presence of God in my life? And it says in 1 Peter, and I think this is a cool scripture, so pop it up. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, if you don't know what a priesthood is, you don't know what a sacrifice is, Luke's preach is great. But I'll try and touch on a few things from that. So just as now I am a temple hosting the presence of God, myself and Dave and Leah, we are together being built up as a temple, hosting the presence of God. And just as it's just as important that I am healthy and I'm doing serving the purposes of God, it's important that Leah and Dave and us three together are doing the same thing. And that's the unity that God is asking of the temple of God. And if one of us goes and starts um, metaphorically selling something else in the temple courts, one of us starts with a different vision and goes on a different tangent, the purpose of the original temple starts to get distorted. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, so this, this scripture is great because it's quite simple. It says, as you get lived up, as you get built as living sto- stones, you're being built up as a, a spiritual house, one, for a holy priesthood. So the first is that we are a holy priesthood, and the second is that we offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. So when it looks at the holy priesthood, the priests, they'd come, they would cleanse themselves, then they'd enter into this place in the temple called the Holies of Holies, and because they had cleansed themselves, they were that followed all the laws that God had asked them, they were able to now come into the presence and say, okay, God, we can commune with you now. Would you commune with us to the extent where I know they used to tie um, like a chain to their, or a rope to their legs in case one of them did get struck dead and they'd pull the person out of the temple. It's to that degree that they had to cleanse themselves. We've been cleansed because of Jesus. We don't have to do that. How cool is that? So we've been cleansed. So we can commune with God. We can act as priests in this house. Um, and as I said, we, we take this house to be our own because it's hosting the presence of God. Um, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven to 39, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's a mystery of how Christ lives in me, but he lives in us as a temple, and that's why he's tied the second commandment with the first Almost the same comparison. Cool. Then offering up sacrifices acceptable to God. And I was reminded of the Romans 12, 1 scripture, which is very simple but very convicting. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And just for us to, you know, this can easily be very convicting and condemning and that's actually not the heart of what god wants to do here he actually wants to free us up so much so that i can say god like what's the sheep in my life let me bring that today what's what's the ram in my life let me bring that today and actually as we do that we're saying wow because i'm sacrificing this at the altar you're giving me freedom in exchange you you purchase you're showing me and he the reality is he's already done it for us at the cross 
So it's our joy to come and offer up our sacrifices. And if we're not doing that, we're not going to find the freedom that Christ died for. And there's a scripture which I don't have, but I think it was quoted in the prayer meeting by Ntandro. It's just like, otherwise you keep putting Christ back up on the cross. We don't put Christ back on the cross. He's done it already. We don't need to worry about that. Um, and we are free. Cool. So, now I'm like all convicted and stuff. I'm like, God, you know, how do we do this? Um, and, <clears throat> yeah, sorry, I'll share two, two things on that. But just before that, I did feel a word specifically for us. Obviously, this is a word, but this is a bit more of a scripture that I feel, yeah, I really want to encourage us in. So, if you could go to Revelations 2, 2 to 6. Cool. So, this is Jesus talking to the church of Ephesus. And, again, many of us might have heard this, but let's open the Nachi. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to, to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yeah, don't need number six. And <clears throat> it's not that I think he's going to come and take the lampstand away from City Ball. It's that I feel like we, are, we, are, we haven't grown weary. Like life is hard. We've been fighting, as you know, the word has been like fighting with a sword in our hand, but also bowed to the king um, and, and still like fighting off the enemies, but still building the kingdom. Like, we're doing that, you know, and we, um, we're not growing weary. We're fighting to do things properly. I'd almost say we're fighting to do things in the right DNA. Often we use the term DNA. Like, what is the kingdom DNA? But I think what he's saying here is even if you haven't grown weary and you're doing everything, he says, if your flame is dimming, that is the most important thing. And that is the thing that we want to make sure is always alive um, in Christ. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, just to, to ask the question, like, what is the foundation of the serving? And um, I have a little story. Um, before I was properly giving myself to a church community, God just abundantly blessed me and Jeans with an incredible friend group that we're still very close to, different churches. And um, our friend group split down the middle over the Word of Faith movement. Um, I don't know if anyone knows it, uh, or the Hypergrace Gospel, um, in other words. But that was quite a hard time for me. Um, and we would, I love these guys, I lived with these guys. Now we're wrestling over doctrine, and we don't really, we're not even in church properly, so we don't really know how to do that. Um, and I found myself often comparing myself to them and saying, wow, okay, yo, they came home with a testimony about healing. Okay, I, I, I've got I've to have more faith for healing. You know, they look, look at how happy they are. Ah, oh, Lord, you say that I have joy. I've got to have more joy. And I would constantly, and the spiral of comparison started, even in the good things of God would start growing in me. And the fruit of it was that if they weren't around, I wasn't doing those things because I wasn't propelled from the right place. And so even in the good things of God, and we can relate that straight back to our own, you know, like what, what is the standard of worship for a Christian in Josh Jen? Okay, cool. I must make sure I meet that. Um, and if no one were lifting up their hands, would you lift up your hands? You know, those sorts of questions started coming into my heart. Um, and just to encourage us that we've been doing power through provision. Like, I have value 
and our function. The world ties those two things together and says you are of value by your function. And Jesus says the opposite. And I almost feel like as a, as a church to like cut that thing off together as a family and say, like right now, all I'm doing is operating in function, just sharing this message. But my values, brother, sister, you know, to each other. And, and if like, I know if someone else is preaching, one of the thoughts would have come up, okay, but why, why are they preaching? So, and I just want to cut that thing in Jesus' name. And whatever area it is, for all of us to say, like, I operate as a fun, I operate, I've got a little piece. Yes, God, you get the glory with my little piece. Yes, God, you are worthy of my little piece. Whatever it is that I can do, ah, it's for you. And yet, I'm so content to be a part of this family. I'm so content to be a brother and a sister, to be myself and worship God as he asked of me um, and as overflows from my heart. <clears throat> so that's the comparison side, which I felt to touch on. And then the other thing, which I think is so aligned with what has been coming up in prayer meeting and what Dave has uh, felt and led us in, is our kingdom vision. Um, <clears throat> and this often happens, um, we often lose our kingdom vision when we look inwardly and life gets very difficult. Um, and Or our place within the body, we start feeling less uh, a part of the body. So we don't feel like we're functioning, so we go, okay, What's something else I can build in my life? And we sit down and we go, and this is what you taught at school, is like, okay, what are you going to do with your life? You sit there and you, you think, okay, well, I enjoy this. I enjoy maths. So, okay, let me try to be an engineer. Okay, cool. I think engineering is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And then you pursue this thing. And in the attempt of pursue, you think it's going to give you life. You think you're going to get to the end and it's going to satisfy you. And you've actually just consumed yourself and kept your mind busy in an attempt to feel like you've got purpose. And God says, our purpose is in this body and extending the kingdom of God with a kingdom vision. Um, So, and one of the key ways that we see this in the Old Testament, just to touch on, is actually Israel were worshiping God. Moses was the one that would stand there. But when Moses went up the mountain, Israel suddenly thought, okay, now what do we do? We don't actually know how to worship God. Let's go build a golden calf, put it in front of us, and in that act of worshiping it, we'll feel like we've got a sense of purpose. And just to say that the moment your heart starts drifting from like, I'm so excited for a Sunday because Jesus might come and be with us. He will come with, be with us. And I don't even know what he's going to do, but I'm excited. And the kingdom's going to advance and he's going to fill me up. And the moment we shift and our hearts no longer have that heart, we go, okay, what's this new business project I can do, you know? And I, I'm first culprit of that. Um, and those are the moments where it's not about those things being wrong, but it's about saying, kingdom vision, Lord, would you send me into the workplace? Would you commission me? Would you give me a, a mandate to go and do? And that we do together, and we get encouraged, and words come, and people say, look, I actually see this on your life. I see this is how you can advance the kingdom of God. And we start building up that temple in a way that's um, super encouraging for all of us. And then, yes, I am in the workplace, and I am going to build this incredible company for the kingdom of God, those sorts of things. Cool. Um, yeah, so obviously I've spoken about some pretty straight things, but just to go to that uh, Revelation scripture again, please, Nate. Um, right at the end, uh, the next one, I think. Yeah, it says quite simply, it says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, and I believe that's just opening up an archie and saying, God, what have you re- revealed in my heart today? Repent, turn away, and say, 
and do the works you did at first. And I think the works you did at first, first were the ones that you were propelled to do for the king. They were the ones that like whirled up in your heart and were like, yo, this is the first work I want to do for God. Um, I want to spend some time in his word or whatever it is, you know. Um, so just to return back to those things. And I really think it's, it's that simple. It's just us going back into alignment and saying, okay, God, cool. We're lining up again as a church and as a family. Um, and this, this really makes me excited because I feel like when there's unity on this and our vision, um, yeah, like I think God wants to show us so much more as a family. Um, and that gets me excited. Um, and to end off, two pieces. Um, I don't know the scripture, but when the ark, when Uzzah got struck, the, David got really afraid and he, he just left the ark at a random house for three months. And then that house started getting blessed. And then David said, okay, we're going to try this again. And he did it properly. And after they did six steps, he sacrificed an ox. That's the extent to which he was like, God, please don't strike again. Please, Lord. And after six steps, he struck, like he, he sacrificed an ox. And when it arrived, it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And I just believe David then had a revelation that was beautiful. He understood the presence of God coming home, what it actually meant, um, and he was propelled into joy. Um, yeah, and I can't, we, I can't give that to you. We just got to come to the Lord, spend time with him. Um, one of the great scriptures is Mark 10, 24 to 27. Um, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And so you might be feeling now a bit like, ah, you know, maybe this is me and I've been feeling this. Guys, all things are possible with God and he can revive our spirits. And I mean, I worship, I really believe he is really putting that on our hearts of like, yes, Lord, back to you, back to the things, back to the things that matter for you, you know. Um, Yeah, and I I, I feel to, to hand over there quite simply. Um, and that, that may be a time of ministry where we can respond to those things. But yeah. Well done, Gala. Amazing.